Good morning, and welcome to Metropolitan Community Church of the Lehigh Valley. Let's join together in saying the church's purpose statement. MCCLV's purpose is to worship and serve God through acts of justice and compassion. Let's take a moment to type and share words of peace and greeting to one another in the comments. Let's share the peace and love of Jesus Christ. Bye. 
Jesus be born in me. And we enter now into a time of, of prayer for those who are worshiping online. You can type your prayer request directly into the comments of the worship broadcast. For those who are worshiping in person, I'm going to pause in just a moment. And in that pause, what we're going to do is we're going to offer up any prayer requests. If there's a person, a situation, a circumstance that needs our prayer energy and needs our prayer attention, we're just going to lift that up in the sanctuary. And so let's take that moment now and let's lift up our prayers. Loving God, you have gathered us. You have gifted us. Especially today, we thank you for the example of Mary and her gift of magnifying you, O oh God. And we certainly want this worship service today to honor you and to glorify you, God. And so where we are distracted, we ask your healing. Where we are tired, 
We trust, Lord God, in your strength and energy. Where we are fearful, we believe in your peace. We're so grateful for your love, God, it's ever-present. Help us and equip us to share your love far and wide. We recognize that the ways of the world are not your ways, and we want to more closely follow in the ways of your chosen one, Jesus, our Alpha and Omega, our Rock and Redeemer. Our gathering, Lord God, is in need of your Holy Spirit. And we humbly ask that you make the movement of your Spirit known and seen in our time together. And let's all say, Amen. and a song A word to grant for any mind to hold A tax law and a journey A stable and some strong these tell the greatest story ever told. A hillside and some shepherds, a blaze of blinding light. Angels
is it from the magi to a humble family? children. Greetings from Allentown, PA. My name is Barbara. My nickname is Babs. I'd like to talk to you today a little bit about forgiveness and then pray a blessing for you. Did you ever have somebody hurt your feelings or maybe you hurt a friend's feelings by not including them when you were playing or maybe not sharing, maybe even being unkind? Well, I sure have. Many, 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 many times. In fact, last week I was feeling grumpy. I was impatient. And I had to try to fix it because it made my heart kind of hurt. And then another thing happened last week. I broke a friend's toy. <laughs> and it kind of makes your heart hurt when there's pain between friends and if you hurt their feelings. But we can try to fix it. And the way we can try to fix it, to mend that heart that hurts, is to say, I'm sorry. It's really simple. Say, I'm sorry from your heart. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all children of God. And in the Bible it says, Jesus says, to forgive each other and to be kind. And Jesus forgives us over and over and over and over and over. So let's try our best to ask forgiveness when we need to and to say we're sorry and try really hard to forgive each other. Thank you. Let's pray a blessing. God of forgiveness, we praise your children everywhere. We praise you for your children everywhere. We are all brothers and sisters through Christ. We join and lift our prayers to ask your blessing on these children, those in worship today and those who are watching online. May they feel your presence and your forgiveness each and every day. May they feel your love. And may they learn to give, forgive, be kind, and remember that they are forgiven. Because Jesus loves us all the time. Amen. Good morning, church. 
My name is Jamie Balliott, and I'm a member and stewardship chair of Metropolitan Community Church of the Lehigh Valley. MCCLV is committed to serving our church and community with justice and compassion. We are all in trying times as the pandemic continues, including with our beloved church. In order to fulfill our mission, we need extra help as we approach the end of the year. Your extra or increased contribution will help us continue feeding the homeless, providing food cards to our community, needs of our care ministry, and paying our staff a living wage. I personally will be contributing an extra contribution before the end of the year. There are several ways you can contribute. Online at givebutter.com, use Venmo or PayPal, in person at worship, or send checks to MCCLV 1401 Greenview Drive, Bethlehem, PA 18018. Thank you for joining me and helping to sustain God's work during this Christmas season. May God bless you and keep you. Our reading today comes from chapter one from the Gospel according to Luke. Hear God's word for you. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by God. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For God has looked with favor on the lowliness of God's servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is God's name. God's mercy is for those who revere God from generation to generation. God has shown strength with God's arm and has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. God has helped God's servant Israel in remembrance of God's mercy. According to the promise God made to our ancestors, to Abraham and Sarah, and to their descendants forever. Here ends today's reading. Praise God that God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Praise God indeed. Church, will you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. 
We humbly ask that you just continue pouring out your spirit on this worship service, Lord God. Amen. Well, Mary possessed the spiritual superpower of magnification. Her soul magnified the Lord. And do we magnify God in our lives, or do we magnify our troubles and problems? Do we magnify the gifts and graces of others, or do we magnify their weaknesses and difficulties? What does it mean to magnify? To magnify something is to enlarge, to enlarge it. And spiritually speaking, to magnify is to praise and glorify. In the Psalms, we are invited to magnify the Lord. Psalm 34, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt God's name together. In Psalm 69, we hear, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify God with thanksgiving. Now, we have a tendency to make God insignificant. And we try to pull God out of a small box when it is convenient for us. We make God our pocket God. We attempt to keep God under wraps and under our control, but God is not controllable. God doesn't bend to our commands. So to magnify God is to understand God's significance. God is the creator of the universe. God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving. God is our deliverer and our refuge, a strong tower, the rock of our salvation. Mary, yes, amen, woohoo. Mary, Mary magnified God. And she could have easily chosen to magnify other things in her life. She certainly had some difficulties and problems, but instead of seeing problems, Mary saw possibilities. Mary is an unwed, pregnant teenager. She's engaged to Joseph, but not yet married. And she allows God to use her. Now, sometimes in art, or interpretation, we get kind of a passive image of Mary. We sometimes get this sort of sweet, kindly image of the mother of God, a gentle vessel. But Mary comes off in Luke's gospel as a very independent young woman. Mary's soul magnifies the Lord because Mary held God in awe. Mary had a reverence for God. She had a respect for God's power. Now in this passage today from Luke, Mary is sharing what's called the Magnificat. It's also called the Canticle of Mary or Mary's Song. And Mary recognizes that she's not of high status. She doesn't have high standing in the world. She doesn't have political power, she doesn't have financial power, but Mary does have the kind of power that no one can ever take away from a person because Mary possesses spiritual power. This teenage girl knows that God is the one true power and that anything from God is a gift. And Mary knows that nothing and no one can come between her and God and that gives her great strength. There's that famous line from the movie Dirty Dancing, have you heard it? No, yes, nobody puts baby in a corner, right? Nobody puts baby in a corner. In light of today's gospel reading, we might think, well, no one puts Mary in a corner, but Mary would quickly correct us because what Mary is making so very clear is that no one puts God in a corner. For Mary, God is to be magnified and glorified. God is to be honored and revered. God is to be exalted and adored. Now, the first five verses of Mary's Magnificat are personal testimony 
very uplifting for us. But then the next five verses of Mary's song go in a very different direction. The next five verses of the Magnificat are challenging to us. You see, first off, Mary proclaims God's goodness in her life. But then Mary moves into the realm of social justice, and it's the final five verses of the Magnificat that make it a dangerous and radical piece of praise. In fact, these final verses of the Magnificat are so challenging that the words have been banned from public reading in some places. According to the writer Kathleen Norris, in Guatemala during the 1980s, dictators discouraged the reading of Mary's Magnificat because of its subversive message. Dictators never like to be told that their power is limited. But let's start with the less radical part of the Magnificat. And again, these, this, the start of Mary's song are more personal testimony. What does Mary sing? She sings, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For God has looked with favor on the lowliness of God's servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is God's name. God's mercy is for those who revere God from generation to generation. So Mary praises God for God's goodness and for giving her a calling despite her low status as a woman in ancient times and despite her low status as a person with little financial means. She acknowledges the mightiness of God, the holiness of God. And Mary is doing something so vitally important here. She is modeling for us that we are to view God as big. Too often we make God that pocket God. The late great evangelical writer, A.W. Tozer, he once said this, I am positively sure after many years of observation and prayer that the basis of all of our trouble today in religious circles is that our God is too small. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Mary recognizes the mightiness of God, and she understands that God can do things far beyond human invention and human ingenuity. And Mary ends the section of her song by pointing out that God's mercy is for all who revere God. What does revere mean? Respect. God's mercy is for all who respect God. And so we start off with those just absolutely lovely words of personal testimony from Mary. And then the song takes a turn, <laughs> quite a turn. Mary proclaims this, God has shown strength with God's arm and has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. Now, when I was reflecting on Mary in preparation for the message today, another very courageous teenager came to my mind. On this next slide, we see Claudette Colvin. She was not at all afraid to speak truth to power. You see, on March 2nd, 1955, Colvin was 15 years old, and she was in Montgomery, Alabama. She was riding on a segregated bus when she refused to give up her seat to a white rider. Claudette Colvin was arrested. Now, this was nine months before Rosa Parks took the same nonviolent action. Okay, nine years, excuse me, nine months 
nine months prior to Rosa Parks. So Claudette Colvin and four other people became plaintiffs in a really important court case to end segregation in busing. But Colvin's role was not publicized that much. She didn't become a focus in the media because as the case was argued in the courts, Colvin became an unwed pregnant teenager at the age of 16. And civil rights strategists at the time felt that focusing more on Rosa Parks would create momentum for change. Now Colvin's court case made it to the United States Supreme Court and busing in Montgomery and, Alab and Alabama, uh, it was desegregated in part due to her actions. What does Mary proclaim? God has shown strength with God's arm and has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. Claudette Colvin made history and changed the law even though few people know her name. Now there are other young women continuing to make an impact today. On this next slide we have Naylan Pike and she is of the San Carlos Apache. Naylan has been working with a group called the Apache Stronghold, and they're trying to save a sacred site. It's called Oak Flat, and it's in Arizona, and they're trying to stop it from being sold to the Resolution Copper Mine Company. You see, Naylan wants Oak Flat to be preserved for Apache religious ceremonies, and she has spoken at schools and conventions all around the world. She advocates for the right of her people, and she encourages youth to do the same. She encourages other youth to do the same. And in this photo, Pike is testifying before a con congressional committee in Washington, D.C. And then on this next slide is Sage Grace Dolan Sandrino. Now, when her middle school didn't support her decision to publicly transition in 2013, Sage made it her mission to advocate for transgender students in similar situations. Dolan Sandrino has participated in boards for the Human Rights Campaign, the National Center for Transgender Equality. Identifying as Afro-Latinx, Sage has served as a representative for the White House Initiative on Educational Excellence for African Americans. She's now a student at Bard College. And last year, she founded the creative studio and digital magazine, Team Mag. And this was to help other LGBTQ plus teens of color to tell their own stories. What does Mary proclaim in today's passage? God has shown strength with God's arm and has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. And Mary goes on to sing in her Magnificat, God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Mary is not a passive, retiring vessel of God. Mary, what does she do? She proclaims God's surprising reversals. If Mary were proclaiming today, she might say God has brought down the CEOs and the athletes and the politicians from their thrones and has lifted up the ordinary person. God has filled the hungry with good things and has sent Wall Street away empty. Now this is not to pick on Wall Street, okay? There's nothing evil or wrong with money, right? We know from the Bible that it's the love of money. That's the root of all kinds of evil. Wall Street becomes problematic when it limits itself to making money for people who already have 
too much money, right? Now, for those who work in the financial industry, the question is always, are you creating wealth for as many people as possible, or are you gaming the system so that just a few people get rich? Now, the same goes for the pharmaceutical companies. Apologies to anyone who works for a pharmaceutical company. Let's talk later on. According to the Global Justice Now organization, the eight top shareholders at Pfizer and Moderna, the eight top shareholders, made over $10 billion last week when their stock holdings skyrocketed after the discovery of the new Omicron variant of COVID, right? The vaccines are bringing their manufacturers $1,000 per second. Advocates, yeah, it's shocking, right? Advocates want these companies to do more to address what? Vaccine inequity. Right? Nick Dearden is the director of Global Justice Now UK. He says that the priority for these pharmaceutical companies is making enormous amounts of money for some of the richest people in the world, and they're doing the least to vaccinate the world. They've basically put profits before any other consideration. Let's remember, this is publicly created know-how. So Dearden points out, this advocate points out, that the public sector provided 100% of the funding for the Moderna vaccine. And Pfizer also received a huge amount of public money for their research. And this is yet one more example of risk being taken on by the public while the profits are what? They're privatized. So the world is in need of vaccines, and these private companies have refused to share how they're made. What does Mary say in her Magnificat? God has sent the rich away empty. The rich who refuse to share do not receive a blessing from God and will end up with an empty and shallow life. And some might say, well, it's better to be rich and stingy than to have very little money and a lot of God. But who would want to live like that, right? Who would want to live with that kind of harm to the soul? Always better to have a lot of God than anything else. So the Methodist writer and bishop, William Williman, he points out that this is not a lullaby that Mary sings. He says it's a battle song of sorts. What will be an intimate act, Mary giving birth to a baby, also has vast public implications. Through Mary, God's purposes for suffering Israel will be accomplished. There's nothing private or inner or subjective about what God is intending to do according to Mary's song. God is moving politically, economically, and strategically. Those who are in power are to be cast down. The lowly and oppressed are to be lifted up. A great transfer of power is being prophesied by Mary. And again, that's from the, the Methodist Bishop William Williman. And so what Mary does next is she expands her song to focus on her community, right? The community of Israel. Mary sings, God has helped God's servant Israel in remembrance of God's mercy according to the promise God made to our ancestors, to Abraham and Sarah and to their descendants forever. God helps the community because God is merciful. What is radical about mercy? Well, we live in a, a world that rejoices in people getting what they deserve, right? We toss that phrase around. Well, he got what he deserved, or 
she got what she deserved. God's mercy is never deserved. It's simply poured out on individuals, and praise be to God, it's poured out on communities. The community of Israel did not deserve God's mercy, but God is merciful with them, and God is merciful with all of us. But mercy continues to confound people who are in power. There's a late Polish composer, his name is Henryk Gorecki, and his most important choral work is a piece titled Miserere. He wrote it in 1981. And Henryk Gorecki, he, he wrote this choral work for its eight-part a cappella chorus. And the work was written in response to events that happened in, the Mar in March of 1981. You see, the Polish government militia attacked people who were gathered for a peaceful demonstration. And like much of Gorecki's work, Miserere, it's a very slow piece, it's a very meditative piece, and it actually contains only five words. Domine Deus nocer miserere nobis, Lord our God, have mercy on us. Now, because of government restrictions, his work was not allowed to be performed in Poland until 1987. So six years after the incident, it couldn't be performed in the country. You know, sometimes we forget how radical words like, Lord, our God, have mercy on us. Sometimes we forget how radical words like that may be for some people. But it's no surprise that dictators, tycoons, autocrats and institutional guardians are not at all that interested in spiritual surrender and the spiritual surrender that comes with being merciful or forgiving or gracious or loving. Former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright, this was helpful for me um, when she defined fascism. She says fascism is not an ideology, it's a process for taking power. Okay, so fascism, not an ideology, it's a process for taking power. So fascists, they don't have well-developed ideas or belief systems, they just want to be in charge, right? And we've probably all known a little fascist or two in the workplace, right, uh, over the years. But when this type of person is in charge of a large corporation, when this type of person is in charge of a country, well, the results are often tragic. So Mary's song, The Magnificat, on this next slide, reminds people that God is thankfully not aligned with worldly power. God is not aligned with worldly power. God has no need for worldly power, for money, for control, for success. And God certainly interest, is not at all interested in our grasping after worldly power, right? For power, money, control, success. In fact, as Mary points out, God reverses fortunes and lifts up and empowers people who are viewed as having low status. And once we begin to understand that God operates differently than the world operates, then we can move into that level of spiritual maturity that Mary possesses. Mary understands that true fulfillment is spiritual fulfillment. We do live in a tough culture where there are constant reminders of false fulfillment, right? All the warehousing in the Lehigh Valley, all the warehouses across the United States, what are they often called? Fulfillment centers, right? They're often called fulfillment centers. And the risk to future generations is that they might learn the false teaching that fulfillment comes from stuff and from being able to get stuff as quickly as possible on our doorstep. 
And we know that true fulfillment is not the mansion with the Olympic-sized pool. However, if you live in a mansion with an Olympic-sized pool, let me know. It would be great if you could host the next fundraiser for the church at your home. That would be, we'll have a pool party. It'll be great. Uh, but we know, we know that that's not true fulfillment. True fulfillment's not found in a job. True fulfillment is not found in a hobby. True fulfillment is not found in our personal relationships. True fulfillment, uh, yes, the pastor is saying this, true fulfillment is not found in a church. All of these things may feel fulfilling, but they're not true fulfillment. A job or a hobby may feel incredibly satisfying. Cultivating personal relationships may feel wonderfully fulfilling. Developing a spiritual life through the church may be deeply gratifying. But we always put these things in the context of something larger. Fulfillment is the recognition that life is not about fulfilling our own expectations, our own visions and goals, but life is instead about listening to and following God's expectations for us. Fulfillment is the recognition that God is the fulfillment of our greatest expectations, right? Fulfillment is the recognition that God is the true fulfillment of our greatest expectations. And experiencing spiritual fulfillment, it's not, it's not up some impossibly steep mountain, always out of our grasp. God is not that sadistic. Fulfillment is often right in front of us. And we need only gratefully accept what God has so lovingly provided. What is it that we need to open our eyes to and accept from God right here, right now, today? It may be something surprising, like the unplanned pregnancies of Mary and Elizabeth. It may be something a little bit more expected, an opportunity to become a mentor to someone, to provide help or assistance in a situation. What makes Mary so special is that she magnifies God rather than herself in the process. In whatever we are given in this life, in whatever we are provided in this life, do we magnify the Lord in living out our gifts? Mary's soul magnified the Lord. She enlarged God's presence and power. And the point is not to feel guilty about having more than Mary. We may have more status than Mary. We may have more possessions or money or skills or influence. But if we get stuck in guilt, we cannot magnify the Lord. Instead, we accept the great gifts that God has provided to each one of us, and we shine forth the love and the light of the Lord. God has showered each and every one of us with a great big love, and God has given each and every one of us a great big calling. And maybe it's not exactly like Mary's calling, right, to give birth to a Savior, <laughs> but every calling, but every calling is holy and wonderful. And what do we do in response? We magnify the Lord. We enlarge the focus on God in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. Our souls magnify the Lord, and our spirits rejoice in God, our Savior, for the Mighty One has done great things for us. Will you pray with me? You, O oh God, are mighty indeed. You have done great things for each one of us. We thank you for the miracle you worked through Mary and the miracles you have worked through so many of your people. 
over the centuries. We thank you for the call today to magnify you and to proclaim your justice to a world in need. We humbly ask that you give us the maturity of Mary, the willingness to accept your call and advocate for your kingdom come. And let's all say, Amen. Mary didn't know that your baby boy would one day walk on water. Mary did you know that your baby boy would save your sons and daughters? Did you know? Come to make you new This child that you deliver Will soon deliver Mary, did you know That your baby boy Would give sight to Blind Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm a storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where? And when you kiss your baby, you've kissed the face of God. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, and the Again, the lame will leap, the dumb will speak, praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know? That your baby is Lord of all creation. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nation? Did you? heaven's perfect land and 
the sleeping child you're holding is the grave. God is with us. We lift up our hearts and we give thanks to God for this opportunity to commune with one another and to commune with God. Praise God for the inclusive gift of love and praise God for the gift of Jesus Christ. On the night on which Jesus was given over to suffering and death through the betrayal of a friend, he gathered with a group of disciples. Jesus took bread and after he had blessed it and given thanks for it, Jesus broke it. Jesus gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. After supper, Jesus took the cup, and after he had blessed it and given thanks, Jesus said, Drink of this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the remission of your sins and the sins of the whole world. Let us take a moment of silent confession to confess to God all we may have done or failed to do to keep in right relationship with God. Let us pray. Bless these gifts of bread and fruit of the vine. We thank you, God, for the forgiveness and joy we experience as we share this holy meal. We receive your never-ending love and healing at this table, and we are grateful. How good it is to commune with you, God. Amen. Our faith is a mixture of past, present, and future. We remember what God did for us in Christ. We experience now the spirit of the living Christ, and we look forward to God's continuing promise to us of growth and new life. And so we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Praise God for this bread and for the journey and this cup of new life. Let us now share this meal together.
thankful for this time of communing with you and with one another. We're so grateful for this set-apart time. God, we just want to magnify you more and more in our lives, and we know that you're going to help us to do so. Amen. If all could please rise as able, let's join in saying together our commission and blessing. God asks if, if we would be God's people. Our hearts shout, yes, we now go forth, ready to magnify God's love and hope to a world in need. We will not be afraid, for God is always with us. Amen.
love and serve the Lord. Vaya con Dios. Walk with God. Amen.